What's the good news? There's lots of good news. What I'm hearing the Apostle Paul say here is that the good news that each of us has a place, that each of us has an invitation to full life at home, at a workplace. when we socialize with friends and in church, we each have a place. What I'd like to talk about is a situation of the cross that I think Paul is addressing here. And it's a situation that I want to call on the one hand continuity and a situation on the other hand I want to call crisis continuity and crisis now in the tradition that I grew up in church there was an emphasis on the continuity of the cross. What do I mean by that? Well, it was understood that if you went to church, you'd be blessed. And that actually each situation that you stepped into in your working world or at home in your family that the church and the cross were there to justify our way of doing things. Because we were Christians, we enjoyed the continuity of the cross. And there, there is an understanding of what it is to be continuous. If you think of a of a line of folks. You know, I think throughout my younger years, there was a movement in order to demonstrate unity. Various groups around the world would join hands. And they try and get people, for whatever cause, to join hands across maybe a county or across part of the country. And the thing that strikes me is when when you line all these people up, could be hundreds, could be thousands, could be tens of thousands. What makes the continuity is the fact that they're holding hands. That there's an uninterruption. And that is powerful. Sometimes, however, continuity misleads us. What do I mean by that? We can sometimes begin to think that actually because I am of the elect, because I am in church, or because I believe 
that that underwrites everything that I do in my life. It's a warrant for going out and getting my way or doing what I want or doing what I think is best. It's difficult to think of ourselves as followers of Jesus. And if you're not following Jesus yet, maybe it's difficult also to think of yourself as someone who has discontinuity in their life. But I'm going to suggest not only is continuity not a great thing, I'm going to suggest that there is something better. Now, what could be better than being right? What could be better than being justified in the things that I do? You know, I'm having a dialogue with somebody, and I saw this a lot in divinity school. You know, you can have a, you can have a conversation with somebody over the most detailed theological concept that you could think about. And folks, there are many. I won't bore you with any one of them today. <laughs> and you can listen to this discussion. And you can hear each side really become passionate about what they believe. Really justified and self-righteous. And oftentimes, if you're a third-party listener, you can sit there and listen to this impassioned debate. And if you, as often the situation I'm in, if you don't necessarily understand all that's being said, you can think, well, gosh, there's a bit of what you're saying that's right. And there's a bit of what you're saying that's right. And yet there's this impasse. A lot of the things that get us into difficulty, a lot of the things that get me into difficulty, come from a way of thinking about this continuity of faith. Anger. Anger comes from a place of asserting my feelings in a situation with someone else. It's difficult to be angry with a rock. You can be. I think Edward had that situation, didn't he? That rock fell on his head. He might have been angry. Even Edward, though, I'm sure forgave the rock <laughs> in spite of the stitches. Usually, anger works itself out with another person. Why? Because we feel our side, our viewpoint, our feelings are being encroached on and that we are right. Greed, envy. Again, situations where we want to protect what is ours, what we feel is ours, over against someone else. So many times, continuity of faith 
can actually get us into trouble. Ah, so you ask, what is the alternative? I'm so glad you asked. Crisis is the answer. Now, Rob, tell me, really, how is crisis going to lead me into a better way of living? I'm going to suggest to us that the cross of Jesus Christ is entirely about crisis. Rather than slipping away into the continuous law of Roman society, rather than being buried under the law books of the temple authorities, rather than quietly going away into prison, into some part of Palestine, the Son of God chose crisis. The cross represents a dramatic interruption in the life of the world. It is discontinuous with our way of thinking and feeling. Jesus introduces crisis in the moment when the world felt it needed continuity, when it needed stability, when it needed a good government, when it needed to carry on in tradition, Jesus introduced crisis. And God chose a place up on a hill outside the city of Jerusalem where they dumped the human refuse and the rubbish of the city. He chose a public place to be killed like a common criminal, up high to be seen. Crisis. He chose to be killed for contradicting the Jewish tradition, for going against Roman law. Crisis. And I believe that crisis moment had a supernatural effect that tore open heaven and earth in that moment. It had a supernatural effect of going back in time and redeeming the past. A supernatural effect of transforming the present and a supernatural effect in changing the future. The prophet Isaiah talks about this crisis.
if we are to be the redeemed, restored, and reconciled people that we so want to be, then I would suggest that we are called to embrace this crisis. It is the crisis of the cross that says, no, I am not self-sustaining. It is the crisis of the cross that says, I can't keep making decisions on my own. It is the crisis of the cross that says, I am dependent. I think some of the best church services I've seen have resembled Alcoholics Anonymous meetings because of the willingness to acknowledge crisis, of the honesty of saying that my life is in crisis. You know, when you go to an AA meeting, and I've been to a few, you are encouraged but not obligated to say the following words. My name is Rob, and I'm an alcoholic. Some people have a hard time saying that, and so it will go weeks, months, and maybe sometimes years before they say those words. And no one is required. You can go to as many meetings as you want. But it's amazing to see that over time, as you watch all of the people in that circle accept the crisis of their own life and say, I'm willing to put a hand up for change in my life, that when you see that, it becomes nearly impossible to resist the desire to be transformed. And so I would suggest also that crisis begins in honesty. Crisis ends in faith. Now, while I like AA and where it starts, I would suggest that it doesn't finish where it needs to, that the reality is, is Jesus Christ is the source of that transformation. He holds your crisis because he's been through it himself. If you are willing to let him, he will hold your crisis. And he will say to you, don't let this define you. I have a better story for you and your life. You are here not merely 
to survive. You're here to thrive, to live life to the full, to say no to the power of sin, and to be embraced in the love of Jesus Christ. Crisis is here today. Crisis presents us with a choice. Do I buy into the falsehood of continuity? Of claiming that I've got it all put together all the time and I win every argument because I'm right? Or do we get down on our knees and say, Jesus, fill me. Not with my way, not with the way of the world. Fill me with your presence, Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ enters the crisis. to embrace you. Will you let him?